This is a Richard Skipper Celebrates Spotlight Presentation. Brought to you by... Sidebar at the National Hotel. Good food, craft beer, live music, good times. And the American Songbook Association and Cabaret Scenes Magazine. Proud supporters of Richard Skipper Celebrates. And now, Richard Skipper celebrates the release of Robert Preston, Forever the Music Man. For the third year and counting, Richard Skipper has been celebrating the artists you love. Richard Skipper is all about celebrating life, art, and his guest body of work. Please join us while he showcases these diverse and talented individuals. Here's Richard Skipper. Surprise! Yes. It's me, Neva Small, who played opposite Mr. Preston, as I call him, the Prince of Broadway in The Prince of Grand Street by Broadway's own Bob Merrill. Now, what can I tell all of you about Mr. Preston that Deborah didn't already ask me about in our wonderful conversations? Deborah, great book. I can tell you that everything in here is so well researched. I learned a lot and I thought I was a Robert Preston expert. I do, I do. Victor Victoria and of course the Prince of Grand Street. Anyway, it's a great book. I loved Mr. Preston. It's so wonderful that Deborah has captured the essence of his life and career. Film, early career, childhood, his wonderful long marriage with Catherine right here in this book. But it makes sense. She's a social worker. She knows about humans and people. And if Mr. Preston was anything, he was a people person. All right, I got to get back to this book and find out what happens with that May to December romance. I was made that on December now. Thanks, Richard. Happy Wednesday, everyone, and welcome to a very special edition of Richard Skipper Celebrates. It's a double celebration tonight. Not only are we going to celebrate the incredible career of Robert Preston, but we are going to celebrate this amazing book by Deborah Warren. Uh, from the moment that my friend Ron Spivak told me about this book, I have not been able to put it down. And so I've pulled out all the stops for tonight's show because I thought that this show deserves the specialness of someone like Robert Preston. I want to begin by reading a passage from the book uh, because those of you who follow me and watch this show know that this show is all about celebrating. I celebrate life. I celebrate art. I celebrate artists. And this paragraph, to me, summed up everything, and it's right in the introduction, but this what was what hooked me from the very beginning. And it says, even though a few of his films and plays were considered flops, Preston was not one to regret any of his roles. Instead, choosing to use each performance as an opportunity to further hone his craft in his tireless pursuit of perfection. To this end, he made important contributions to movies from the late 1930s to the mid-1980s, as well as on the Broadway stage. Over the course of his 50-year career, the actor appeared in 42 Pasadena Playhouse productions, 45 motion pictures, 16 Broadway plays and musicals, plus two that closed on the road, regional and radio plays, countless television movies and teleplays, and regularly performed with other Pasadena Playhouse alumni and the 18 Actors Troupe in California. 
Don't believe me? Let's take a look. Here it is tonight. We celebrate Robert Preston. The following program is brought to you in living color.
Hello, Deborah. Hi, Richard. So great to be with you. Well, it's great to finally meet you after all this time. Uh, I begin my show, besides the book, which we're going to jump right into, who or what are you celebrating today? Um, I'm celebrating uh, just because of different things going on in my family, health, um, good health and happiness. And, um, you know, when you have your health, you have everything. So that's what I celebrate today. Absolutely. I told you at the beginning of the show, um, I'm not apologizing, but I've been fighting something all day. So if I jump into a coughing jag, I'm just going to mute myself and you just keep talking. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, um, you, you've written many books, but why a book about Robert Preston? What was it that resonated so much with you to begin with? And how did the seed begin for you? Um, well, uh, I've always been an old movie buff. And um, so, you know, I've watched many of his movies and um, it was during the pandemic, of course, that, you know, people were searching for things to do. And I happened to go on um, a Facebook site that is dedicated to Robert Preston. I happened in scrolling, um, entered the uh, chat room, if you want to call it, or the uh, Facebook page. And what a lot of the people were, uh, saying was that they really loved his body of work, but they wanted to find out more information about the man himself. And there wasn't really anything out there. And so I'm the type of person, you know, it's like, it was like a challenge to me. Plus um, I did sort of a lot of this type of work, not kind of writing a biography, but I did work for the courts for many years. And so if a family came in and, a, um, you know, judges wanted to find out, you know, who does this child belong with and do investigations and flush everything out, I would take weeks and weeks and, and do that. So I'm kind of used to researching. And I said, well, let me see what I can find out. And um, I kept digging and digging and contacting libraries and, you know, um, and I thought, oh, gee, I bet I'm not even going to get 10 pages. And so as I got 10 pages and I kept going and going um, and I ended up with, you know, between notes and the actual text itself, I ended up with 542 pages. So I probably could I probably could have, you know, made the book larger and gone into more minutia. But I figured that was what I came up with was enough. So well, what was I really love about the book is that it really celebrates his body of worth, as mm -hmm. I like to refer to it as. Yes. Um, and it's not a gossipy tell-all book. Uh, because of that, in today's world, was that an easy or a difficult sell for you? Well, to be honest with you, there were things that um, I heard from either family members or co-stars, and I couldn't verify it, obviously. And so um, I left that, I had to leave it out because I didn't, you know, legally speaking. Um, but there were some... Uh, I don't want to say juicy, if you want to call it gossipy kinds of things. Nothing, nothing about his temperament. I mean, what I what I speak and in, in, uh, delve into regarding his temperament um, it is all the same. But it, it, just in terms of um, different liaisons or different things that happened, mm -hmm. um, I could not verify certain things that that people happen to bring up, and uh, so obviously for legal reasons. Um, that had to be left out, but it that wasn't anything that would have really changed the story in any way. Uh, so, like I said, uh, that's out, and you kind of get the gist of what he was all about, personally and professionally, um, by reading the the text. Now, so many people, when they hear Robert Preston, 
first thing they think of, Forever the Music Man. Right. Uh, they, a lot of people are shocked to find out that he was making movies as far back as 1935. Um, what, <coughs> excuse me, there I go. Beyond his uh, film work, what surprised you the most about Robert Preston? Um, you know, as you as you mentioned, he he started out professionally in film, sort of, but he. Um, I was kind of surprised that he was a Shakespearean trained actor. Um, he started out, uh, of course, in high school and then at the Pasadena Playhouse, um, where he did countless plays, and he really honed his skill as an actor there um, before going on to, uh, you know, the Hollywood. Um, but the stage was actually, what I was surprised to learn was that the stage was actually his first love, his true love. And um, when he couldn't find the success that he wanted in Hollywood, he flew east and came to Broadway. And there he kind of reconnected his passion that he had back in, in, at the Pasadena Playhouse and was able to find success on the stage. And then, you know, of course, um, that helped him in, in, uh, in Hollywood as well. But I was kind of surprised. I had no idea that he was a Shakespearean trained actor and... Um, you know, had a friendship with Richard Burton, who was also a Shakespearean actor. Um, so that the, those types of things, and there were many other things, but that was the the, the biggest thing that kind of surprised me because you know, I, I as you said, everybody that I speak to when I bring up his name is like, oh, the Music Man. So you don't think of really serious roles and Shakespearean roles, you know, uh, when when the Music Man comes to mind, but. Um, and you go into this in the book, but without giving it away, just as a teaser to everyone. Okay. Uh, but how that uh, how that role affected him moving on in his career? Um, yes, that you know, finally, um, when he was when he was able to um, get the role of Harold Hill in The Music Man. Um, people kind of paid attention to him. The the people, uh, of course, Broadway. Uh, sort of knew who he, he was, but the people in Hollywood who would kind of um, slotted him into, you know, uh, B-movie roles mm -hmm. and Cecil B. DeMille as well, um, I think they sat up and took notice and said, hey, um, we have a talent here and we can use him in other um, types of genres and films. So, um, you know, that, that was kind of a, a big um, moment for him, a cathartic moment for him in terms of his career. But uh, and especially, uh, he was so happy that um, Mr. DeMille uh, was still alive at the time that he achieved success in The Music Man, because it was just kind of um, his way of sort of showing him, listen, I can do more than just play the same character over and over and over again. So he was um, thrilled that um, he was able to show the Hollywood community that he was more than just, you know, a villain or a B, a B movie um, hero type thing. Now, Carol Channing once said, writing a book is a solitary life. But as I look at this book, you had the support of so many people. Do you want to talk about some of the people who you were able to uh, gave you entree uh, into their stories and their lives to share their aspects of who Robert Preston was on yes. the other side of the footlights and the camera? Yes. Um, I was able to speak to so many people uh, who had worked with Mr. Preston and just kind of 
it's just as a caveat, obviously, because he would have been like 104 years old. There's so many people, um, stars that starred with him starting in the 1930s who are no longer with us. So mm-hmm. there were many people I would have loved to, to talk to Dorothy Lamore and Dorothy McGuire and, you know, uh, Barbara Cook and all these people, but unfortunately they're, they're no longer with us. Um, but uh, of the people that I was able to speak to, uh, many of them, uh, of course, are younger. They're in their 60s and 70s uh, and in 90s, uh, Rosemary Harris. I was so delighted uh, to be able to speak to her. Um, I reached out to her daughter, the Tony Award winning actress, Jennifer Ely, and uh, asked if her mother would be interested in um, you know, sharing her story. And I was just shocked one day, you know, my cell phone rings and it's Rosemary Harris on the other end saying, I hear you're, you're, you know, wanting to do a biography on my good friend press and it's (coughs) time and, uh, it's long overdue. And, uh, you know, what can I tell you? So she, um, had all these stories, um, and it was, nice to be able to speak to her because she not only had dealings with Preston uh, on Broadway in The Lion in Winter, but also in a brief miniseries and also a television series later on, The Chisholm. So she was able to give perspectives on, you know, in both genres. So that was just wonderful to be able to speak to her and um, just to just not only talented, but sweet, lovely person. I can't say enough uh, superlatives about her. She's just great. Um, and she had suggested in speaking to Rosemary, she said, Hey, reach out to Christopher Walken. <laughs> he starred with us in the, um, Lion in Winter. And I know he's got some stories and, you know, and he was very gracious as well, Mr. Walken. Um, and I had, you know, lengthy conversation with him and, um, you know, he was, you know, which, what I was surprised with is he was very, very honest and candid about um, his uh, work with Mr. Preston. He was a young actor at the time and um, kind of credits Mr. Preston with um, having him continue in show business. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he, his comment to me was, you, I, I wouldn't, you wouldn't be talking to me right now um, if I hadn't, you know, had this uh, work with Mr. Preston and he hadn't encouraged me and I stayed with things and, of course, he went on to win an Academy Award and he's very, uh, has a large body of work. Yes. But uh, <laughs> so I was, you know, very delighted to be able to speak to him. And uh, so many of the people I, you know, called upon Leslie Ann Warren. Uh, well, I want to tell you, uh, I spoke with Leslie. Okay. And she wanted to be here tonight, but she's working on a film in Savannah. Oh, so my. Okay. Sends her love to you. Okay. So she's, uh, but she wishes uh, much success with the book. And she she was just wonderful. Also, I got a hold of her um, agent and um, she immediately, you know, made herself available and, you know, shared her insights as to what it was like working with Mr. Preston. So everybody, you know, there were so many that, like I said, I, I spoke with that were, you know, big name stars and uh, they were just very anxious to um, tell their story and um 
not only working with him, what he was like as a, a human being and uh, what he was like as an actor, a mentor, et cetera. So through all of this, pa these patchwork of interviews, um, I kind of looked at him as little puzzle pieces. I was able to kind of uh, put together a portrait of what he was like professionally and also um, personally as well. So, oh, <laughs> excuse me, did it feel like dominoes as uh, one was leading to the other? It did. Well, you know, it did. But um, I, I say it was like a jigsaw puzzle, interestingly, because he was um, kind of a fanatic or a fan of jigsaw puzzles. He would have mm -hmm. um, a large table set up in his den and he would have these real intricate, complicated jigsaw puzzles that he and his wife would work on in the evenings when he would get home from the theater. So I kind of liken it to pieces of a jigsaw puzzle that you're looking for different pieces and people fill in the gaps. And those are the puzzle pieces that go together. Um, so I thought that was an interesting analogy that, like I said, he um, liked to do uh, these jigsaw puzzles. And I, it was almost like fitting puzzle pieces together to figure out um, continuity in his life, what he was about and all of that. And I, I, again, and again, I appreciate the family members I was able to, extended family members I was able to speak to who could fill in some of the gaps about, um, you know, his personal life too. Uh, did you have a Holy Grail interview that you were absolutely running after that did or did not happen for you? Um, the one person I would have liked to have, uh, well, two, two people actually, um, Angela Lansbury, um, mm -hmm who starred with um, Robert Preston and Dark at the Top of the Stairs. Um, you know, just because of her age and, and a lot of other factors, she was um, uh, not able to participate in an interview. And the only other person um, that I thought would have would have been interesting because they were close at one time would have been Julie Andrews. Um, and uh, unfortunately, the, her representative had said she wasn't, um, doing any more interviews or whatever. And so um, I, you know, that kind of door was closed, but that would have been very interesting to see because since they did have a very close relationship, they were almost like family. Um, and then there was a little bit of a falling out uh, several years later. Um, that would have just been interesting to kind of get a different perspective, but I can see maybe, you know, because of, um, the ins and outs of the relationship, perhaps there was some reluctance to speak about that as well. I, I, I can't speculate, but th those would have been um, two people I would have loved to have. Um, who well, one other person that you did reach out to was Ruta Lee. And Ruta Lee, uh, of course, was with uh, the Thalians. Yes. Um, tell us a little bit about that interview. Um, she was she was marvelous. Um, uh, Ruta and uh, Debbie, of course, Debbie Reynolds, had founded the Thalians organization many, many years ago. And um, they held an event for um, Mr. Preston, I believe it was like 1984, um, where they celebrated his body of work and celebrated him as a human being and as an actor. Um, and what Ruta had conveyed to me was that although all of their Thalian balls were spectacular, that this particular one was just amazing. And uh, she writes about that in her uh, book as well. Um, she had has a book about her life and career. And she wrote so a your ass kissed. Yes. yes. I didn't want to say that. I didn't know what I could say or not. No, so, it's okay. Um, but I have but, something I want to share with you. Okay. Uh, up for you. Okay. Hello, everyone, especially Richard and Deborah and all your fabulous viewers. 
I'm so happy to be part of this wonderful adventure that we're having honoring Robert Preston. Now, as you may or may not know, Debbie Reynolds and I were the head mother superiors of an organization called the Thalians, which meant Hollywood for mental health. And we raised money, millions of dollars, by doing a great big fabulous show every year honoring the greatest stars of stage and screen. And one of those great stars was Robert Preston. And I have to tell you, it had to be one of my favorite shows out of 60 years of doing shows. Robert Preston as honoree had people like Lucille Ball doing MAME. Uh, we had Shirley Jones doing um, Music Man. It was the most incredible, oh, 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 and fabulous Mary Martin doing Flaming Agnes. Can you imagine having all those wonderful people on the same stage to raise money for the Thalians? Well, that was the draw of Robert Preston. People loved him, people still love him, and I love him, and I love you all for paying attention. God bless. <laughs> Isn't she wonderful? Oh, isn't she? Oh, magnificent. And I have to tell you, um, I wanted so desperately to see um, that particular um, event, the Thalians event where he was honored. And the I had to go through the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences and, you know, get permission. And Ruta wrote this letter and, you know, greased the way. And I was able to get this copy of this um event it was just marvelous i mean i just couldn't i just it, 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 you know i was verklempt being able to um watch this and this helped me a lot in um providing uh you know information for the book so i'm just indebted to uh ruda not only for you know providing information about the event itself but for lending her star power to be able to get a copy of that um, and, and it wasn't easy. They had to they had to search their archives to find it and then make a, a digital copy for me and um, get it out to me. But uh, so I, I'm, I'm indebted to her um, for her contribution to this book and just a magnificent, marvelous, talented lady. Can't say enough about her. And uh, just it, what how wonderful to see her and for you to have a clip of her. It's just it's so touching. Thank you. Um, I want to talk about a, a, a mutual friend, and that's uh, Ron, uh, who has a quote on the back of your book. I'm going to yes. read the quote, and then I want to see how the two of you actually hooked up and started. Okay. Together. Okay. Uh, from Broadway to Hollywood and back again, Preston's tireless work ethic and solid professionalism have always been legendary. But until now, no single narrative has so thoroughly portrayed the man behind the performer. Deborah Warren has written a fascinating and meticulous chronology of a heretofore enigmatic star gregarious but intensely private, overachieving but underestimated, charismatic but modest, strategizing but sincere, often the subject of both gossip and adulation, sometimes simultaneously. Preston is now revealed in the full spectrum of his personality. Miss Warren's passion for detail makes this biography as invaluable a reference as it is an enticing read. What a great quote. Well, isn't it? Oh, I'm yeah. just... I'm just so indebted to him. It's, I, I can't say. He's just a, I, uh, 
was connected to him through Neva, actually. He's a, a friend of Neva's. And so she made the introduction and um, he was able to uh, allow me to view uh, a few uh, clips and a few things um, for Robert uh, Preston. And I just can't say enough enough nice things about him. What a kind, supportive person. He went out of his way to, um, you know, if I requested to see something or, you know, whatever. Um, I just can't say enough superlatives about him. Just a fabulous, fabulous human being. Such, you know, uh, and, and the fact that he took the time to write such a, a wonderful uh, blurb for the back of the book. I mean, I'll be eternally indebted to him. I mean, can't say enough about him. Just a great person. Well, you can thank him yourself. He's here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so nice to see you. Oh my gosh, Richard! How wonderful you are, and it's true. I mean, uh, just, oh. just, uh, he's just been so helpful along the way with you know information providing, like I said, different you know audio clips, uh, writing the blurb for the back of the book. I mean, and like I said, I had never you know I only knew, met him or. Um, had an introduction to him through Neva. So, I mean, he yeah. did all of this just kind of on a, um, you know, through through that connection. And like I said, uh, how great is that? What a wonderful person is that? I'll, I'll just crawl back under my rock. No, no. no. So wonderful. <laughs> oh no, of gosh. course, tonight, you know, Yom Kippur. So we, that kept a few people away, including Neva. But okay. she did that little wonderful film. Yes. Oh, that was just Unbelievable! I did. Well, right, I saw the expression on your face when it popped up. Oh, I just like I said, that was so. That was just so wonderful to see her, and um, um, her stories were just. I mean, a lot of the things I couldn't put in the book, but her stories were just priceless, just unbelievable. Um, some of the some of the things that she recalled. So it was so nice to be able to see that clip of her, and um, uh, you know, hear all the wonderful things that she said. So. That's great. So, so many, so many wonderful people involved with this book. Well, um, <laughs> believe it or not, Richard, uh, this is actually the first time Deborah and I are face to face. Are you serious? We've yes. spoken on the phone. We've traded many an email, right. but now here we are. Yeah. And, and and it's nice to meet you. It's and nice to you see you. Lovely, yes. lovely. Well, I'm glad I made this happen. <laughs> I, I have a question yeah, that I'm ask you, Ron. Uh, because yes. Ron and I met because of COVID. Uh, we've oh. never met face to face. Okay, that's um, true. But uh, uh, these, am I allowed to say your virtual cocktail parties that I've oh. been enough to be invited sure. to? Uh, but it's mostly theater people. And uh, you're in a profession, uh, as we all are, um, in which there's a lot of people thrive on the gossipy aspect of people's careers. Uh, that's something that I'm not interested in. Um, I know there's a platform for that. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, I'm sorry. When you get a call uh, to get involved uh, with a project such as Deborah's, um, what is your criteria for saying yes? Oh my goodness. Uh, well, first of all, it's it's not very often that I get calls like Deborah's. Uh, I've done a lot of musical theater history writing myself. Uh, I haven't uh, tackled a project like a whole biography the way you have, and it's just amazing what you've done here. 
uh, and what you've achieved. But I have done a lot of uh, of articles and uh, and liner notes for Broadway cast albums, things like that. Uh, but of course, uh, like you, Richard, I mean, I wanted to make sure that this was not a, a gossipy kind of project, that it was something that was going to treat Mr. Preston fairly and honestly, uh, and and that was going to, um, well, let me put it this way, just not say anything that, of course, he's no longer with us, so he's unable to defend himself. And I think uh, Deborah has been remarkably fair in, in that regard of trying to capture the spirit and 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 you know the whole man warts and all but without uh making it in any way degrading or insulting uh and that's a very hard tightrope to walk and i think you've done it really magnificently absolutely i agree with that yeah. uh, there comes a, a time, I mean, in a, in any, I guess when you're doing an interview, Deborah, um, where there are some people, uh, perhaps not the people that have worked with him, but who want to go into the gossipy realm. Uh, and you, I love the fact that you said earlier that if there was not enough to corroborate a story, you left it out. So that says a lot about your character as well. Well, I mean, just to give you an example, some fa I, I had several family members tell me certain things and say, oh, yeah, the whole family is aware of such and such. And I'd say, but just because you may, you, you're telling me you may be aware of it and you may be aware of it doesn't tell me that it's true and I'm not going to. And it may certainly not be. And um, so I'm not going to sit there and include something that could be um, you know, completely defamatory and, and not true because they, you know, they were rumors that they heard that aren't substantiated. So I'm not about to, uh, in, you know, include something that would be damaging to himself and perhaps somebody else. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, uh, you know, both people are dead or, you know, people involved are dead and there's no way to verify anything. So, um, you know, because I find, I found so often just in my work, investigating my kind of prior career, um, many times people would say things like, oh, this person is using drugs or this person's having an affair. Or, this person did this or this person did that. And then it's totally unsubstantiated. You know, you might you might hear from a couple people and then you come to find out there's actually no substance to it. So you have to, you know, really, really be careful. And I, um, as you mentioned, I, I just wanted to, you know, just the facts, ma'am, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. I just, yeah. I just wanted to, to um, include in the book what I in fact could verify and what there was a paper trail of, or, you know, an interview somebody I was interviewing said this happened um, and they were working with him and they could, you know, verify it. Of course I included that, but um, I, I just wanted to be very, very careful because my purpose in, in writing this um, was not to um, have this be kind of a, a tell-all in a negative way. I just wanted mm -hmm. to relate what the facts were of his life and career. I so appreciate that. I'd love to add something also that, um, you know, I'm, I'm also an actor myself. Uh, and when I read, uh, you know, something like a biography of an actor whom I admire so much, I don't really care about all the gossipy stuff. I want to hear more about his technique, his approach to the craft. I want to hear, you know, 
how did he uh, elevate himself into these different characters? And that interests me far more than anything to do with gossip, mm -hmm. because, you know, at the heart of it, you know, people who are on his level are artists and and you want to know about the art. At least right. I do. Right, so. right. Uh, and, you know, and if uh, I think most people are probably like you, Ron, and for those that are looking for, you know, a bunch of uh, gossip, then they would need to buy another book because right. that, this is not. Uh, and there's plenty of those out there. I know that, you know, of people course. love the, that kind of stuff and that's more power to them. But I, you know, I did not want to um, have this story devolve into that type of One thing, um, oh, I'm sorry, Richard, go ahead. Uh, you said earlier that this book came out of COVID for you, Deborah? It did. Um, and I'm going to tell you a story that um, my, my kids are going to, my sons are going to cringe when I tell the story again because, um, but it, it's absolutely true. <laughs> um, this, it came out of COVID. Um, but the, the connection to Robert Preston actually must have, happened oh gosh i must have been 22 or 23 whatever and there were no drugs or alcohol involved in the story so okay uh, <laughs> so uh but one one evening i think i think i was uh, you know i was working as a social worker and I was doing a lot of investigations and maybe a lot of it was stress or something i don't know but um i went to bed one evening and i dreamt a whole motion picture it was like cra the craziest thing ever and there were you know Robert Preston was in it. Pierce Brosnan was in it. Rue McClanahan was in it. I mean, there were all these various stars that were in this. And this, uh, the plot of the movie had to do with robots and uh, robotics, and it was kind of um, kind of future oriented. Um, and uh, so I thought, oh, so I wrote, I wrote it all down. I woke up and I thought, wow, this is kind of crazy. And I wrote it all down into a screenplay. And I did try to um, get it. I did have an agent. And we did try to do something with it, but nothing ever happened. So that was kind of shelved. And, you know, fast forward, you know, um, 35, 40 years or whatever, and COVID happens. And I'm, you know, scrolling through and say, oh, Robert Preston. Yeah, this was the person that was in this dream that I had many, many years ago. Wow. Uh, and so that's kind of how the interest also happened is because um, he was one of the people that, I mean, like I said, I, I, you know, like old movies, um, but it was just kind of crazy because he was one of the people who happened to be in this, um, he happened to be the CEO of this company that um, I dreamt this movie about. So, um, it, you know, there was a connection, like I said, probably 40 years ago um, to that and never thought anything more about it until COVID happened. And, um, you know, the story I told you previously about just, you know, there was no information. So I started digging and um, here we have this book. Uh, did this book turn out the way that you envisioned it turning out or did it take on a life of its own? It it uh, turned out the way I envisioned it because I was really um, putting things in chronological order, although I didn't necessarily obtain the things in chronological order. I mean, sometimes I would get information about the death or I would get information about the Pasadena Playhouse or whatever. And so I would have to just compartmentalize everything. And then once I had maybe 75% of the information, I uh, would go back and uh, compile everything in chronological order. So I would, I would write things about what I found out or wrote notes, et cetera. And then I would um, 
go back and do it chronologically. But of course, you know, uh, you can't always <laughs> can't always get things uh, in the order that they happen. You know, whoever depended on who was available. So, um, yeah, I would say it it uh, came out the way I expected it in terms of the information. Um, people being, I, I was really surprised at how many people came forward and were eager to cooperate and give information um, to share, you know, to add to his story. Um, so, yes, I'd have to say that it really um, turned out the way I envisioned it. Um, and so that that makes me happy that it, I was able to tell his story and uh, give a little bit more insight as to um, what his life was all about and his career. And uh, I've, I've gotten feedback from various people saying uh, that that knew him on the periphery and said, wow, I didn't know this or I didn't know that. And that kind of fills in some uh, blanks for me. So that that I found uh, very uh, enlightening that I was able to shed some light on his life for some of the people that were um, on the periphery of his orbit. When did you know that the book was completed? Was that a decision that you made or was that a decision that your editor made? Um, I finished the book uh, back in April or May of this year, and then um, I, you know, had internal editing of the book. Um, my son was very um, helpful with that. He is, you know, very with with grammar. He's kind of uh, a stickler with that. So um, he went through it, and then um, I had somebody else take a look at it, and there were um, a few changes and edits and whatever that they suggested. Um, and so there were more, um, I don't want to say, uh, maybe technical isn't the right word for it, but there's certain things when you publish a book, you have to get insurance and you have to get, you know, whatever. So trying to, you know, get all of that in place um, was kind of daunting, um, trying to get all the balls up into the air at the same time. And so when I finally was able to um, get all the things that I needed to get. Um, and also, you know, the, you're, you have to have an attorney that gives an opinion letter and, you know, she had to finish uh, making sure that um, everything was fine and there was nothing defamatory in there. Or everything was covered. Um, so once I got all those pieces that fell into place, then, you know, the next step was obviously, um, you know, getting it out there and publishing it. So that's kind of how that happened. And, uh, it just so happened to me, my, my mother happened to be in the hospital at the, at the time that this was all going on. So it was like, uh, kind of a little disjointed, but, um, we got it published and, uh, you know, we launched it. And, um, so now it's just a matter of making people aware that it's out there. And, uh, if they're interested in, uh, people who are interested in biographies or interested in Preston's life story will know that it's, uh, this is available for them to read. Absolutely. And everyone that's watching tonight, you can all help just spread it around. <laughs> we're, we're spreading the word. Yeah. We're spreading the word. So after finishing this book, what is the biggest aha moment that you had writing the book about Robert Preston? Um, I guess uh, the one thing I didn't realize uh, about him personally um, was how confident he was in his craft and his skill. Um, you know, he 
going back to uh, the 30s, 40s, 50s, he knew um, what he was capable of and was very frustrated that he wasn't able to um, be assigned the roles that he knew he could um, portray very well. And then later in life, there were various times people that he worked with that um, either tried to upstage him or, you know, things like that. And he, and, you know, show business? Yeah. And so he just Never was, he, he was just, he was just, you know, like the one, the one um, instance w- was with Joan Micklin Silver in this uh, t- made for TV movie, Finnegan McGin- Begin Again. I won't get into the, everything, but, um, you know, when the director uh, came to him and said, hey, you know, um, you're sort of being shoved in the shadows and being upstaged and, you know, I can help you with this. His comment was, well, are you happy with my work? Are you happy with the performance I'm providing for this um, movie? Yes. Well, then that's that's fine. I don't don't worry about it. So he was so confident in his skill and what he was doing in the part he was playing that if somebody else had an issue, wanted to get more screen time, whatever, he didn't care. So that's just amazing to me because where do you uh, think that came from? I mean, do you think that came from the fact that he just had uh, that sense of self uh, early on in his career or the other, the flip side of that, it could have just been that I have a job to do. I'm going to go in and I'm going to do my job and let the chips fall where they may. I mean, that's also the way that I it, think it was a little of both actually, no. because um, you know, there was a comment, somebody made a comment to me about, or it was a comment posted that said, I can't believe he's too nice, or I can't believe he's that nice or something, because he would go on movie sets or on a uh, Broadway stage, and he would be the glue that would hold everybody together and mm-hmm. didn't cause any problems. But that's how he looked at acting. It was his job. And so he was very serious about that. He would go on a movie set or on a Broadway stage, and... Um, even if the director would say, gee, we're changing this 15 times today, it was fine with him. He didn't balk. He didn't whatever. He'd learn the, the new lines. He'd learn the new staging, whatever, because he figured that's my job. I'm being hired to do a you know quality performance. And if you want to change this, I'm going to do, you're the director, you're the producer. This is what I'm going to do. So that's how he looked at his craft. Um, so in that part, you're absolutely right. Um, the other thing is, I think he was very sure, I know he was very sure of his ability um, from the time he was in high school in the Pasadena Playhouse and when he went to Hollywood. Very, He, he knew what he was able to do. Um, and if he didn't, he was such a perfectionist, he would you know, go over things, try different things, and um, make sure that he got whatever role he was playing right. Um so I think on both counts, you're absolutely right. Some of it was just how yeah, he- it's all about thinkology. Yes. Right. And so I think uh, on both aspects, you're absolutely correct. Is That's how he looked at um, acting, you know, and that's all he knew. I mean, from the time he was very small, um, when his mother had him starring in these Broadway pro- uh, vaudeville productions, um, that's all he knew was acting. And so he just wanted to be better and better and be the best he could. And, um, that's what he endeavored to do. He also, though, had a skill that um, I think many actors, including you and me, Richard, uh, we would kill to have 
this ability. And I knew this uh, long before I read the book. Um, Neva Small, uh, our dear mutual friend, yeah. told me that uh, he had a, a photographic memory. And uh, he would be handed uh, at times uh, a new scene. Here's, uh, you know, five new pages. And he'd look at it. Okay, I've got it. And he would get up and just do it letter perfect. And how many of us would kill to have that kind of memory, that kind of ability? And I'm sure it went a long way to keeping him working all the time. Well, I think that more people have it than not, believe it or not. I think the problem is that people have rigid thoughts mm -hmm. of what they want to bring to the table and they're not willing to go with the flow many times. And that's where there becomes uh, like putting a stopper in water going down the drain. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you know, if you are willing to say, okay, this is what you want today. I'll do this and go with it instead of creating this friction that sure. a lot of people create on sets and on Broadway stages and everything. We, we know those people who have uh, reputations uh, of being difficult to work with. And it's, you know, are they difficult because they are not going with just being able to go with the flow of a change or are they difficult because they're really difficult? <laughs> That's true. Um, you know, that, that when you're talking about people being um, perhaps being difficult or going with the flow, um, one of the things I write about in the book is um, Preston uh, starring in the movie version of the movie uh, Music Man. He had been on Broadway for um, many, many performances. And one of the things that Shirley Jones was kind of apprehensive about is because uh, Preston had starred as Harold Hill with Barbara Cook as Marion for mm -hmm. you know years. And she felt he would be resistant, perhaps, to the um, Morton DaCosta changing things. Mm -hmm. And also bringing up, well, Barbara did it this way, and Barbara sang it this way, and Barbara did this. Never once did he say anything, make her feel less than. Um, and whatever they changed uh, for the movie, because, of course, it's a, a different genre, uh, whatever they asked him to do was fine. He didn't say, oh, but we did it this way on Broadway, we, you know, why can't we do this? Why can't we do that? Whatever they asked him to do is what he did. And he didn't uh, make any comparisons whatsoever between the Broadway production and the film. So that's just the type of person he was. He, you know, he was given the script. He was given direction. He was like a sponge in that way. Whatever, whatever they asked him to do is what he, what he did. So, and, and, brilliant, kept, and brilliantly. And they kept the morale on the set. Incredible. Yes. yes. Oh, yeah. So now that this book is now in the hands of fans, mm -hmm. uh, what kind of feedback are you getting on this? Because the book is phenomenal. I love the book. Um, I, I've mostly gotten very positive uh, feedback from, you know, people, um, people who've read it, um, the comments that people have made, emails that I've received, et cetera. Um, so, so, yeah, it's been very positive. And what you know what's next for you is there going to be a follow-up to this you know the person i would and everybody's told me this the person that i would just absolutely to die for yeah but i'm not ready for you to do this <laughs> is, is, uh, 
it's Christopher Walken. If you're listening, Christopher, um, honestly, that would be, he was so fascinating to speak, to speak to his stories were just unbelievable. Um, and, uh, and he also has a past that nobody knows. I mean, he was musical yeah. song and dance man. Right. Oh yes. I mean, that he, he talked about that at length about yeah. if, if, you know, Robert Preston hadn't stepped in and kind of gave him a confidence boost um, he said, I would have been back in the chorus, you know, so uh, <clears throat> and we may not have, you know, seen all these wonderful um, uh, roles that he had to the years. But uh, so some of the things, you know, of course, when you're interviewing somebody, you digress here and there and, um, you know, talking about different things in his life or career. Just so fascinating. That would be something I would, you know, but I, he's again, he's just like Robert Preston, extremely private. So I don't have, you know, I'm not hanging my hat on having that happen anytime soon. But, um, uh, you know, there were a lot of similarities. I mentioned to him there were a lot of similarities. Um, they both lived in Connecticut. They both had a long term marriage. You know, they both there were just so many things. He was a Shakespearean trained actor as well. There were just so many similarities with Preston. And um, we had, you know, conversation about that. Um, but, yeah, that would be, you know, if I could do another biography, it would be on him. But like I said, I, I don't see that happening anytime soon. But that's kind of my wish list. Well, you never know. And never I'm know. Sure if anybody can do it, you can do it. You know, years ago, I met uh, Kitty Kelly, and we were at a luncheon together. And I said, you should sit down and talk to me. I think I would have a fascinating story. And she laughed, and she says, I only write unauthorized biographies. Okay. Because <laughs> this was right after the Sinatra book had come out. If you ever right, right, right. Oh. So, I mean, quite uh, interesting. So, Deborah, I first of all, congratulations, and I'm glad that I brought the two of you together tonight. Yes, they are wonderful. Uh, Neva, thank, thank you for you. having me, yes. and thank you, Ruda. Thank you for everyone. Leslie really wanted to be here tonight. Ron Fassler wanted to be here tonight. Oh. I reached out to a few people, but he is at the Goodspeed Opera House tonight. It's their opening night of Forty Second Street, so he could not be here. But uh, I am thrilled that you're here. Um, we're going to give away uh, a copy of your book. And I hear that you're going to autograph it. So sure. incredible. Uh, I have my copy, right? Oh, it's right over here. I've got my <laughs> autograph copy, too. Thank you for doing that. And it's Aaron Caleb. And Aaron, not only is Aaron one of our sponsors this week, but her brother with the sidebar. And I'm going to be doing a Christmas show at the sidebar. Uh, I'll put that plug in in December. Right, uh, Aaron? Uh that's a plug tonight. So, uh, uh, Ron, come and sing with me. December 21st. I would love it. Okay, we'll make it happen. We'll, uh, we'll work on that. Definitely. And Deborah, come uh, out east and uh, let's get together sometime. Oh, absolutely. This yes. has been marvelous. Uh, don't go anywhere for a moment. I want to give my closing remarks, and then I'm going to let Ron have a few uh, closing remarks. And then, Deborah, you've got the final word tonight. Okay. Anything you want to say about anything that we talked about tonight? that you want to build upon, anything we didn't talk about that you wish we had, or just any final uh, message you want to give with every, anyone tonight. Uh, the word of the day is creativity. Everyone, express your creativity each and every day. Be confident in who you are. That's the message uh, from this book that I get. He was so confident in who he was as an artist, as a man, and in every aspect of his life. And you captured it so beautifully in this book. So thank you. I end every show by telling everyone to go out and do something nice, 
for somebody else without expecting anything return. Go to your Facebook friends list and reach out to the second name that pops up and reach out with a phone call. Not an email message, not a text message, not a private inbox message, but a phone call. And let that person know what they mean to you. And if you really want to be wonderful, order two copies of this book. <laughs> one copy for yourself and send one to the second friend on your friends list. Um, I have a dear friend and he says, we're all in this together, but we're not in the same boat. You never know what someone else is going through right now. But I always say, if you're going to go out in a boat, make sure you bring a skipper along. So I'm going to leave the screen and Ron, it's all yours. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Richard, for including me as a part of this. And, uh, and Deborah, it's so great to finally see you face to face. Likewise. And, and thank you for in, in making me a part of this project. What a, what a lovely journey this has been. And um, uh, keep, keep at it. Uh, write more and write every day. And, uh, and I just say to everybody, creativity is the word. Uh, that's what makes us all better people is is promoting all that creativity. So thank you very, very much. And Deborah, it, it's all yours. Okay, thanks. Um, I want to thank uh, Richard uh, Skipper from the bottom of my heart for um, having me on today to talk about uh, Robert Preston's life and legacy. Um, I'm want to thank, again, I mentioned before, but all the various uh, people, um, Robert Preston's family members and the celebrities who worked with him, who are kind enough to share um, their experiences and their memories of Preston with me. Um, I also want to thank uh, some of the people that um, I was just so blown away today that you had uh, on the show today, Neva Small, um, wonderful, wonderful person, talented entertainer. Um, I'm just so uh, thrilled that uh, you had her um, on today. And of course, Ron Spivak, uh, I can't say enough wonderful things about him. What a glorious human being, what a help, what a support, um, what a kind person, what a talent. Um, so uh, I've learned uh, so many things uh, not only about Robert Preston, but I've tried to hopefully try to incorporate his philosophy of life into mine going forward in terms of his positivity, um, his uh, striving for perfection, um, his being available to other people, etc. And uh, I think it's it's a good role model and a good um, beacon to kind of look forward to in your own life. So uh, this has been a very positive experience for me all the way around. I hope people who read the book enjoy it um, and welcome any feedback that anybody might have.